It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oh, he did the cross the hall for me. He went crazy last night. And he started stepping with a big machete. He chucked up his little girl's fingers. Now on the news hour, machete mayhem at the height of a Saturday night. The slashing attack and the shooting in Vancouver that landed multiple victims in hospital. Plus. It was just in the process of getting onto the highway when a vehicle pulled up beside it and began shooting. High speed highway shooting. The new low reached in the lower mainland gang war with another young life lost and. Him pretty much saying that I have no brain and that's why I'm using a wheelchair. Limited access and ignorant insults. Why the experience at a popular merit music festival was tainted for an attendee in a wheelchair. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We begin with the chaos that unfolded in the heart of Vancouver's entertainment district at the height of a Saturday night. Vancouver police say a man armed with a machete went on a slashing and arson spree inside a rooming house above a crowded nightclub. The suspect ultimately shot by police, but not before leaving several victims with significant injuries. With BC's police watchdog now on the case, Grace Key spoke with one of the survivors. The fellow who did the cross the hall for me went crazy last night and he started stepping with a big machete. Cecil Cochran has some two dozen staples in his head after a harrowing knife attack at his Vancouver rooming house. He just went crazy and he said, you want to fire. What I heard was a pop, I heard a, like a, an explosion. You know, he went down the hallway and it smelled like gasoline. So he poured gasoline in his room and then he lit his room on fire and he went and started stabbing people. It happened around 10 p.m. Saturday in the Granville Entertainment District, just above the Roxy nightclub. Firefighters first responded to the blaze. So there chased two firemen down the hallway with this bowie knife, and the firemen used their axe, and they went at the back exit. So the firemen were there first? Yeah, they knocked, they knocked on his door. He opened up the door, and he came out to move the machete. Firefighters called police as residents started fleeing the building. So I'm asleep, and I wake up, and I come down to this. And it was so bad coming down the stairs, <laughs> I almost couldn't make it down the stairs. Like, it burns your throat. I just came out of the hallway. I just turned around and locked my door. And he hit me in the back of the head. Bam, I went down on one knee. I got up, I turned around, I grabbed the knife right away. And he hit me again with it. And I, we started fighting and we rolled around the ground. And I, was, I don't know how we got in that position, but we got in a position where he was, on, he was on my back and he had the knife. And I was holding the knife away from my face like this. And the cops said, let go of the knife. So I let it, let it go. And he stood up and he went towards the police. And the police shot twice. Police say four victims were taken to hospital with serious, life-altering injuries. She looks like she's 12 years old when she's 20. She looks like she's 12. He chopped her fingers off, chopped her in the head, chopped me in the head three times, and chopped my back and my neck, and um, he apparently sat some other people in there too. But he just went crazy. The attack shut down the Granville Strip. The suspect was arrested and taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Grace Key, Global News.
For the third straight weekend, the Lower Mainland gang war has claimed another young life and put the public at risk. And this time, bullets were fired at a moving target, killing the teenage passenger of a targeted vehicle gunned down on the Trans-Canada Highway in Burnaby. As Travis Prasad explains, this latest brazen shooting to rock Metro Vancouver seems lifted right out of a high-speed Hollywood movie. Traffic on the Burnaby Lake stretch of Highway 1 is often backed up, but not usually because of a shooting. This grey crossover had just entered the westbound lanes of the highway when another vehicle pulled up beside it. That vehicle has been identified as a black Mercedes SUV. I'm not sure if that was on the passenger side or the driver's side, but that vehicle began shooting at the vehicle and struck the passenger, killing him. The driver was injured but survived, eventually stopping near the Kensington exit around 2.30 p.m. Police identify the man killed as Maysam Zaki, just 18 years old. We're trying to find anyone who has any contact with him who could uh, give us an idea where he had been that day, uh, what he had been up to, or his history in general. Zaki and the driver who's not being identified are both known to police. Burnaby RCMP confirmed the shooting is gang related. I can say that the vehicle was the intended target. Uh, there were two passengers in there. We're trying to determine if it was one or both that were the actual targets of the shooting. Yeah, we called the police. Shortly after the gunfire, the Mercedes SUV was torched on East Lawn Drive in North Burnaby a hallmark of gang activity that some say is heating up. There is no signs of this uh, decreasing. Kashid expects more brazen public shootings like the ones we've seen for three straight weekends. He says easy access to illegal guns doesn't help. We have a very porous border that these illicit firearms again in the hands of these individual gang members. And then when you couple that with their bravado attitude, you see this a violence that seems to be on display each and every week, if not uh, sometimes daily here in the region. No arrests have been made in the shooting. Anyone with dash cam video from Saturday afternoon on Highway 1 through Burnaby or here on East Lawn Drive is asked to contact IHIT immediately. Travis Prasad, Global News. And to the Okanagan now, where police are investigating a grisly discovery inside another torched vehicle. As Jaden Wozni explains, two bodies were discovered near Summerland after what was initially called in as a vehicle fire. The Summerland Fire Department were called to an early morning vehicle fire on Saturday near Garnet Lake. Two bodies were discovered shortly after fire crews extinguished the vehicle fire on Garnet Valley Road. RCMP were then notified. One nearby resident told Global that access to Garnet Lake was closed for much of Saturday, but the road has since reopened. Although the discovery was made Saturday morning, police did not release any information until later that evening. The Southeast District Major Crime Unit has since taken over the investigation and will be working with the Summerland Detachment, Penticton Regional Detachment and the BC Coroner Service to determine what exactly led to the suspicious deaths. Police are asking that anyone with dash cam footage or observations of suspicious activity in the Garnet Valley Road area from the early morning of Saturday, August 6th, to contact the Southeast District Major Crimes Unit. Jaden Wozni, Global News, near Summerland. And RCMP in Okanagan Falls are investigating a shooting and a potential domestic violence incident that happened last night. A woman was found with serious injuries inside a home at around 10 o'clock last night after officers responded to reports of shots fired. The victim was taken to hospital and a male suspect was taken into custody a short while later. The victim and the suspect are known to each other.
On Vancouver Island, Comox RCMP used stun grenades to bring a standoff to an end in Cumberland today. Loud bangs pierced the silence on Royal Avenue this afternoon around 1.45. Officers deployed stun grenades and fired their weapons, ending a standoff with a person barricaded inside that home. It is not clear what triggered the situation, but RCMP say it was confined to just a single home. Minutes after officers entered the house, they emerged with a man in handcuffs. RCMP say the incident did not pose a risk to public safety. After a horrific multi-vehicle crash on the Langley-Surrey border that happened at around this time yesterday, neighbors are pleading with municipal officials to make a risky stretch of road safer. But there is a problem. They're dealing with two separate city councils. Julia Foy now with the fallout of a tragic crash that killed a couple from Surrey. It was just horrifying. It was just a terrible, terrible accident. Langley resident Cheryl Vensel is still shaken over the three-vehicle crash that happened at 32nd Avenue and 196th Street around 5 p.m. on Saturday. Langley RCMP confirmed a Surrey couple in their 50s died at the scene after their VW sedan was hit by an SUV that may have missed a stop sign. A second collision happened with a Dodge truck heading in the opposite direction. So you could feel it. You could just feel that you could feel the shock. You could feel the and I mean, I know it might sound flaky to anybody who doesn't understand it, but this has really traumatized this this corner. Dozens of emergency vehicles responded and occupants of the SUV and Dodge truck were taken to Langley Memorial Hospital with non life threatening injuries. They've since been released. For one, I really wasn't surprised. Um, but I was very heartbroken. Neighbors say they've been asking for several months for road repairs, removal of trees and bushes near the stop signs to improve safety at this intersection. 96th Street is bordered by Surrey on one side and Langley Township on the other, and so far the issues haven't been fixed. All of this was avoidable had the city bothered to hear the complaints and the desires and the requests of those of us who live here. Other residents think even more is needed. A traffic light or clear and create some more visibility needs to happen. We ride our bikes around here and when there's no lights, uh, we, so we can't or we'll get hit and die. So we need lights here. Traffic and congestion is expected to increase over the coming years as more commercial and residential projects are completed. Neighbors worry that the carnage could happen again if safety improvements aren't made soon. Life turns on a dime, right? Slow down. Be more aware. Care about the people that are around you because, you know, those people that lost their loved ones yesterday, that's a pretty rough way to lose them. Julia Foy, Global News. And the search continues for a boater tonight, still missing after a vessel capsized early this morning in the Fraser River off of Chilliwack. It's believed the boat with two people on board capsized near Island 22 in the Fraser at around 2 o'clock this morning. One person made it to shore, but a man believed to be in his 40s did not. Chilliwack Search and Rescue say the boat was later recovered two kilometers west of the Sumas Canal, but so far there has been no sign of that missing boater. The deadline is fast approaching for structures to be removed from a sidewalk encampment in Vancouver's downtown east side. 
Storage options to secure people's personal belongings are being finalized before city crews start removing tents on Tuesday. There has been little movement at the tent city along East Hastings near Main Street since the July 25th fire chief's order to immediately remove structures here due to the threat of fires, putting lives at risk and jeopardizing SRO housing in the area. People are being encouraged to begin complying with the order as of tomorrow. Residents along the stretch say violence has escalated with the tent city's growth and early Saturday a tent went up in flames. The good news there is nobody was hurt. Heavy smoke and flames ravaged a home in West Vancouver this afternoon and several firefighters on scene required medical treatment. Firefighters were called to the home up in flames in the 30,000 block of Marine Drive at around 2.40 this afternoon. The District of West Vancouver Fire Rescue says it's unclear what sparked the flames, but they spread quickly. Today's heat not helping matters as several firefighters had to be treated for heat exhaustion. Firefighters were given fluids and crews were rotated in and out throughout the day. Coming up, the economic impact of wildfire, the still-burning Karameas Creek blaze, and its impact on the bottom line of businesses. We've got a live report from the scene. Plus, nobody to save you. How the lifeguard shortage is impacting beachgoers on this scorching summer Sunday. That's coming up. Stay with us. Welcome back as we turn now to the wildfire fight in this province where weather conditions in the Okanagan are making things more challenging today for fire crews battling the Karameas Creek fire burning outside Penticton after it cooperated the last couple of days. Our Kamal Karmali joins us now live from outside Karameas with a look at the situation on the ground tonight. Kamal. Sarah, it's the hot temperatures and strong winds today that made the situation tough for fire crews trying to battle this blaze. This is the fire in its current form uh, behind me here. You can see this large plume of smoke that can be seen from many corners of the Okanagan Valley. That smoke in the direction of Apex Mountain Resort, officially listed as 5,900 hectares in size, but crews believe it has grown a bit since then. The evacuation order remaining at nearly 550 homes. And although media hasn't been allowed too close to the fire, we found people who have, and they say it's been a back and forth battle. Footage from Saturday shared to Global News by security patrollers on Highway 3A shows the raw power of the wildfire plaguing the South Okanagan Valley. Another video from Friday shows the widespread destruction of the blaze. Sunday, the highway between Penticton and Karameas remained closed for a fourth straight day as fire crews battled the blaze, each day like dumping money down the drain for this nearby fruit stand. Their business is dependent on the highway. Probably almost around 800 pounds of uh, rotten fruit we have to throw each day or every second day due to this fire because we're not getting any customer flow due to that road closure. Losing roughly $1,000 in expired goods. Frustrating, it's annoying, losing money. This couple visiting the road closure to try and learn more about when it will reopen. The anxiety is forever looking for updates. Their home in Olala evacuated, their valuables left behind. It's all furnished with antiques, and so all of the heavier furniture we can't move. And that's stuff that we've collected, and it's come from my parents and his parents, even from long into the history. But some choosing not to wait for the green light. Global News was told of at least two reports of vehicles blasting by the roadblock and staff being threatened. The regional district of Okanagan 
Tsimilkameen confirming a number of angry residents had been verbally accosting the security team wanting to get back to their homes. RCMP have had to step in to help, but overnight some promising news. Fire behaved. Uh, last night. We had a pretty quiet night on the fire line. Temperatures dropping again. But with sunny, hot weather and winds expected to pick up, crews aren't ready to put their guard down just yet. It's still out of control. It's an unpredictable thing. It's, you know, it is a beast. With no promise of when Highway 3A may reopen. We're really trying to get folks back home as, as soon as possible. People are losing tempers, patience. I can't stand it right now. It should be open, in my opinion. And money. Now, BC Wildfire Service says although the work and the fire is only being done on one side of the highway, that's the west side, it still isn't quite safe yet for drivers. Uh, BCWS says a lot of the work is being done right alongside the roadway. So once again, the Wildfire Service as well as the district is asking drivers and those who live in that evacuation zone for patience. Sarah, back over to you. Okay, a tense situation for multiple reasons. Kamal Kermali in Kermias. Thank you, Kamal. It's not just the flames, but the smoke as well, causing issues in the Okanagan tonight. With a cloud of smoke from the Karameas Creek wildfire wafting slowly towards Apex Mountain. As Victoria Famia explains, the resort has been evacuated, but staff say they're still prepared for anything. It was a much smokier day in the South Okanagan, as one of the largest fires in the province continues to burn. Some good news, however, BC Wildfire Service says conditions were favorable overnight and the Karameas Creek wildfire saw little growth. The smoky skies were brought on by an inversion, which kept the smoke low, and once that began to clear, BCWS began conducting planned ignitions on approximately 30 hectares to secure ground north of Olala. As of Saturday afternoon, 547 properties are under evacuation order. Another 1,050 on evacuation alert. Extensive protection has been put in place at Apex Mountain Resort since it was evacuated a week ago to protect itself from the threat of the Karameas Creek wildfire. We uh, have been working with BC Wildfire Services as well as the local Apex Fire Brigade and we've put a very extensive sprinkler system in at Apex Mountain Resort. In fact, it's going to every resident's household, uh, condos, uh, you name it. It is the most extensive uh, sprinkler system BC Wildfire Services has ever put in place. It's very impressive. Also in conjunction with our snowmaking machines, um, we're one of the few resorts that has snowmaking from the top of the mountain to the bottom. So our snowmaking machines are putting a huge amount of humidity in the air, which is really helping uh, things as well. While the fire appears to be moving closer, Shalman says it's coming at a slow pace. It's getting closer every day. And so, you know, that smoke that you saw in the distance is now not in the distance. It's much closer. You can see it. it's just a couple of ridges over. Um, it's definitely getting closer. The thing that we do like is that it's moving slowly up high in the Alpine here. And it's giving us lots of time as far as just being prepared. Firefighting teams from all across the province are being put to work on the Karameas Creek wildfire. Something James says is amazing to see. Everyone's working to fight this thing and everyone's working really well together and it's pretty impressive and amazing to see and witness and uh, we just want to thank everyone. 16 helicopters have been assigned to this fire along with a total of 381 firefighters tending to the blaze that is burning close to 6,000 hectares. Victoria Famia, Global News. Coming up, communications blunder and a tainted experience.
We went into the party zone of the festival and I like could not shake it. I was just so upset. Calls for improved accessibility and better informed security at one of the province's biggest parties. Plus, there were people crying, there were people devastated. Pride Parade cancelled. The last minute call taking the color and the celebrations out of Montreal this weekend. That's coming up. Poor mainland man who's been unable to walk since an ATV accident five years ago says he and his partner encountered new roadblocks at Rockin' River Music Fest in Merritt. As Kristen Robinson reports, the couple is sharing their own negative experience with the goal of sparking positive change at festivals across the country. Mitchell Garrett says he and Haley Brown had a really good time at Rockin' River Music Festival. Aside from a couple of hiccups with security staff contracted for the event regarding communication over accessibility access. It was just really unfortunate to have this, uh, this experience. Shuttle buses to and from the Merritt Festival site were not accessible. The couple asked their driver to shoot this video of Garrett climbing in when his buddies weren't there to help yeah, him. Man, we need to get a bus wheelchair access. Unfortunately, it's something that I've came accustomed to living with a disability. Uh, this world is adapted for people who are able-bodied and we're just living in it. With no accessible washrooms at washroom stations or near the beer garden, Garrett says he asked security if he could go behind a gate. He says he was told to urinate in the open or leave. It was very frustrating. Days later, they encountered the same guard at another gate when Garrett needed to relieve himself. No one knew where the nearest accessible facilities were, and he says he had no choice but to tuck behind a security fence. Brown apologized twice to the guard, explaining the desperate situation they were in. That's when he said, again, no reason, your boyfriend's disrespectful, he has no brain, and that's why God put him in a wheelchair. Yeah, that was tough. Pretty crazy. That's the way it goes. I was heartbroken. Um, it really affected me deeply. Security guards are there to make you feel safe, and this guy, multiple of them, made us feel threatened and unwelcomed and like we shouldn't be there because he has a disability. After sharing their experience on social media, Brown says Rock and River staff were apologetic and took their concerns seriously, promising to do better next year. GuardTech's website says it takes pride in its professional, positive approach. The couple says some guard tech staff were great, but believes all festival security should know where the accessibility features are, because everyone deserves equal access. Any place that there is a, uh, that is meant for an able body, it should also be meant for someone who is using a mobility aid. That's that, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And Global News reached out to both the security company, Guard Tech Security, and Rock and River Music Fest for comment, but did not hear back from either by deadline. Well, who's going to save you if you're swimming off Vancouver beaches? That's the question people are asking right across the city tonight as a lifeguard shortage continues to plague its waterfront safety. The Vancouver Park Board taking to social media today to warn that no lifeguard would be on duty at Sunset Beach. It was said to be a similar situation at Second Beach, although Global News did spot one lifeguard there on duty this afternoon. In the absence of trained professionals, signs were posted to remind people about the risks of unsupervised swimming. The next closest supervised zones were at English Bay and Third Beach. Coming up, pulling the plug on Pride in Montreal this weekend. We'll tell you why. Plus.
still join in on the party closer to home. We'll take you to the last day of this live music festival. That's after the break. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Welcome back. Well, a week ago, Vancouver's Pride Parade attracted hundreds of thousands of people, and it went off largely without a hitch. But it was a much quieter scene in downtown Montreal today, where just hours before the return of that city's annual Pride Parade, the event was suddenly cancelled with few answers. Dan Spector has the details. On Sunday, downtown Montreal was supposed to be full of colour, love and joy. Instead, there was confusion, anger disappointment. There were people crying, there were people devastated. Montreal's Pride Festival was set to culminate with its annual parade. The past two cancelled due to COVID-19. Tens of thousands of people were expected to take over René Lebec Boulevard at 1 p.m. But just after 9 a.m., Montreal Pride announced online the event was cancelled due to a lack of personnel to ensure security. We came from Paris for the parade. I'm speechless and baffled. Matthew Velosa Quitero says his Afro Pride group spent countless hours and tens of thousands of dollars handcrafting costumes and creating a float for the parade. We have people coming down from Ottawa, from Toronto. We're talking about almost 2,000 people that are supposed to be parading behind a truck. People are showing up last minute and we have to announce the bad news and it's really sad. This group included refugees from countries where homosexuality is illegal, hoping to experience their first ever pride parade. This one's being cancelled, it's like, it's difficult for them. Also taken aback by the news, Montreal Mayor Valerie Plante. I was shocked this morning that decision was made without even trying to find a solution, maybe even talking to us, because that's what we do. We troubleshoot things. We sincerely, sincerely apologize. Montreal Pride Director Simon Gamache tells Global News he learned when he woke up, his organization did not have enough people to safely run the parade. And the cancellation is his team's fault. We have to close streets and all of that to assure the safety and the safety of all participants. And unfortunately, uh, we, we just don't have all those resources to do that. Many we spoke to didn't buy it. They know before, for sure, so I don't trust him. You cannot tell me you didn't know this prior. By afternoon, hundreds of devoted attendees arranged their own unsanctioned parades down St. Catherine Street, bringing lots of smiles but organizers will be entering a tough week of questions and damage control. Dan Spector, Global News, Montreal. Well, earlier this week, a massive hailstorm tore through central Alberta, and scientists were able to collect the largest hailstone in Canadian history. So what do you do with it? Well, you 3D scan it, of course. These shots are from the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety. Its employees traveled to Canada from the United States to digitally preserve the behemoth and better understand its unique geometry. This is the field team's first international deployment. The goal is to better improve radar-based hail detection and figure out what leads to different sizes and shapes of hail. That is 
a big ball of hail. <laughs> Yvonne, no hail in the forecast that I know of, but rain is coming next week. Yeah, a brief reprieve uh, for the south coast, but we are seeing the heat, and it's going to be a big weather story that we're following throughout the week, even hotter as we get in towards tomorrow. I look outside right now, though. We've been basking in that sunshine. We've got temperatures sitting at 24. It's away from the water, though. We've been into the low 30s. A few other spots when you factor in the Humidex, even into the Fraser Valley, feeling like 34. Pitt Meadows, 33. In areas near Victoria, 30. Inland for the island, Port Alberni with the Humidex right now at 35. Hot spot across the province is for Lytton. The potential is there that we could see record-breaking heat, getting up to 38 degrees. Lillooet, areas near Kamloops, topping out at 36 so far, and areas near Kelowna with highs up to 34. So it is hot today, but even warmer for a few spots as we get in through the next couple. Now, heat warning that is in effect from now, likely to Tuesday for most areas into the Fraser Canyon. Central Coast could even see it into Wednesday. But what we're seeing is for Lytton, highs up to 35, lows, not much of a reprieve, down to 18 degrees. And areas along the central coast included within it will also inland see highs up to 28 with lows for overnight lows, down to 13 rather. Fire danger rating, we're sitting at high, few spots at extreme. We'll keep a close eye. Please be very diligent over the next little while. We're not tracking any significant precipitation. Here's what we're seeing. This ridge is going to build in over the next few. For Monday, Tuesday, likely some of the hottest days, especially along the coast. Wednesday, bit of a blip. It'll just be along the coastal areas. For Metro Vancouver, we could see a few isolated showers. All areas into the southern interior and southeastern corners of the province will still remain hot and dry right across the board leading in towards next weekend. Daytime highs, we can see in our temperature trend, there's that brief blip in, the, blip in the forecast for Wednesday, down to 24 degrees, but it still warms up once again in the interior. We are not seeing much of a reprieve at all, with temperatures still soaring into the 30s, leading in towards the end of the week and likely into next weekend as well, so be prepared. Coastal areas will see a break along the, the, the Prince Rupert, rather, just a bit of fog in the morning hours, clearing towards the afternoon. A 30% chance of an isolated shower for areas near the Peace, much of the southern half of the province. That's we'll see the heat build over the next few days. Whistler even seeing highs up to 30 degrees in all areas along the south coast. Hot and dry over the next little while, with that blip in the forecast on Wednesday. Bit of a reprieve. It'll be brief with a few isolated showers and then it rebounds quite quickly for our Thursday back into the sunshine with highs of 23. Sarah? Okay, a bit of a mixed bag there. Thanks so much, Yvonne. We'll see you soon. There was an influx in pets joining our homes during the pandemic, and now those same loyal companions of ours need the help of caring strangers. Shelters across the country are buckling under an increasing number of pets now being surrendered. Charmaine Samani explains why. With inflation and people returning to the office, taking care of pets is becoming harder. Deanna Thompson from Alberta Animal Rescue Crew Society says they've seen a huge jump in surrendered animals. We've seen over a 200% increase in the number of people looking to surrender their pets from this time last year. The same sentiments are being echoed in Regina. People citing that uh, they can't afford to care for their pets. We've also seen 50% increases in both change in lifestyle and no time for the pets. And shelters already had animals in, leading to a growing problem. And to add to the challenge, we have seen um, not as many adoptions or foster homes coming forward. If finances are part of the concern, Kathy Duncan from Humane Canada says shelters and organizations may be able to help. Humane Canada uh, did some granting cycles last year to organizations that provide pet food banking to people. Duncan says aside from food, health care and even dog walkers may be available in your community. She encourages Canadians who can 
can to adopt a pet from their local shelter and help give an animal a home. Charmin Samani, Global News. I want them all. <laughs> Very cute. So cute. Barry DeLay, good to see ya. Mm. Big win for the lions last night. Yeah, that's that's mm. one animal that is, is doing all right. <laughs> nice. The, uh, lions, have, uh, they'd love to play Edmonton every week. They've played them twice. They've scored 105 points in their two games, and uh, they went off again last night. So we'll take a look back at a really entertaining uh, victory again from the Lions. And we got some uh, golf coming up. Baseball, Blue Jays had a controversial ending in a good way to their game. So that's all coming up. Okay, looking forward to that. Thank you, Barry. Coming up, he's kind of Kenny. He said, now, don't go out and get me in any trouble. How the doppelganger of a late American country star is playing it forward for a very good cause. That's coming up. Welcome back. Well, if imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, an Okanagan man has been paying the ultimate tribute to a country music legend for decades, and he's still going strong. Here's Jay Durant with This Is BC. It's a heavy guitar, too. Gigs are back, which means Marty Edwards is out sampling some new gear. For over 25 years, he's been playing Kenny Rogers after the idea was first pitched by a friend of the music business. A very nice tone. Yeah. But Edwards put it off until he needed to fill a slot at his own charity concert back in the mid-90s. I was short on act and I thought I should put the Kenny Rogers thing just for a lark, you know, just for something different. And uh, I did three songs and it just it mushroomed. You got to know Once he performed live in front of the real Kenny Rogers. Imagine the pressure, but Marty wasn't even nervous a bit. No, because I didn't know he was there. <laughs> By fluke, they were both in Billings, Montana, doing shows the same weekend, and Kenny sent someone from his entourage to bring Marty over for an introduction. We had a nice chat, and then when I was leaving, uh, he said, now, don't go out and get me in any trouble. Together again. He's done duets with Dolly Parton impersonators and toured the world with his act. Organizers of a show in New York once booked Marty after finding out Kenny Rogers would cost too much. The gambler gave his blessing. They said, uh, Kenny wants to know who you're going to use. They said, uh, Marty Edwards, kind of Kenny. That's the stage name I've used. And uh, he came back and said, yeah, he's his favorite. You painted up your lips and rolled. Edwards is a cancer survivor and continued his charity shows raising money for the BC Cancer Society. He plans to still hold many more benefit concerts for various charities in the future. But as long as my voice holds out and my body holds out, that uh, uh, I, I would just keep going. At age 73, he's still going strong. So there's some guitar shopping to do to keep those songs sharp. Because well, Redwood. Because the reaction from the fans at his shows never gets old. Sometimes it's, it's tears because a certain song means so much to them. So for me, that's exactly what it was, and I've been able to accomplish that. Jay Durant, Global News. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people just need to hear about, email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. And speaking of great music, it is the final day to catch the annual Harmony Arts Festival in West Vancouver. Brandon Isaac and the Saints of Swing performing at Millennium Park this afternoon. They are among the dozens of artists who performed in the past couple of weeks with the return of the event along the waterfront on Argyle Avenue. The festival celebrates live music as well as visual and culinary arts in the community. 
Coming up, Barry's back with sports plus playtime for mom and her cubs. From hiking trails to just outside our homes, our four-legged neighbors are feeling playful this weekend. We'll show you the feel-good footage in just a few minutes. The Peony is back for its 112th annual fair. Continue the summer tradition with can't-miss attractions and entertainment, including the Superdogs and the return of the summer night concerts. Plus, enjoy all the fun, games, rides, vendors, and treats you can eat. Don't miss Brian Adams on his So Happy It Hurts tour at Prospera Place in Kelowna on November 11th and Rogers Arena in Vancouver on November 12th. Tickets on sale now. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. Brought to you in part by PE. Fill up on fun at the PE Fair. Don't miss the Superdog Summer Night Concerts, lots of food and thrilling rides. Celebrate to the fullest at the PE Fair. Welcome back. Barry's back. Mm -hmm. The Lions are back. If they ever. They've, Left. You no, know, they've had, they've been outstanding this year. I, I wish a, I wish a few more people would get out to the games. They've only had about yeah. sixteen, other than the opening night when they had the big concert with One Republic. They've only had about seventeen thousand a game. They deserve more. They're very good, so give them a chance if you're a football fan. All right, thanks, Sarah. The Lions certainly did a, a lot of celebrating on the field last night after lighting up the Edmonton Elks for a second time this season. BC won it easily, forty-six to fourteen meaning they have outscored the Elks 105 to 29 in two home games this year. Nathan Rourke smashed more records in another virtuoso performance as the Lions confirmed they are a team that you absolutely must watch. Rourke to the corner. Coming off his third CFL Top Performer of the Week award, it's a safe bet we know who's going to win it again after Nathan Rourke's surgical dissection of the Edmonton Elks. Rourke, another career-high 477 yards in passing and five touchdown tosses. But staying true to his nature, the Lions' blowout victory was all about the team performance and not his own. Nathan Rourke, this time on the ground. It was a good win. I think that we had a great week of practice. I think the guys worked really hard. I thought that the coaches did a really good job with the game plan. I've always said that he's a good football player, but he's also, a, a, I call him a cool kid because I'm getting old, but he's just, a, he's got the right mindset and demeanor and um, he's not a roller coaster guy, um, just comes to work every single day. So I'm happy for him because he does things the right way and works hard and do all those things. So when guys do that and they get rewarded for it. It's it's good stuff. Three to the left, three to the right. Cornelius in trouble, taken down. The Lions devoured the Elks on both sides of the line of scrimmage. The defense pitched two shutout quarters of football as BC improves to 6-1 and one on the season. Next up is a second place showdown in Calgary on the weekend, which might even include another post-game victory speech from the owner. This is not a difficult speech. You guys did it all. Thank you so much. First of all, not only you guys are working so hard, you guys are playing together as a team and a family. Family wins all the time, as does hard work. Same in business, which is football. You guys are gelling so nice. I'm so proud of you. We are so proud as a family to own this team. But more importantly, we're proud to be part of this team. And I'll tell you what, guys, thank you so much. You got my kids here. We got everybody here. Guys, keep rolling because you are rolling. Rick, thank you very much. Best dressed man in the building.
That's right. Not many people can rock orange shoes like that. Baseball today. Jays and Twins from Minnesota. Jays looking uh, for a split of the four-game series. Bo Bichette will rip one into the gap in right center. Teoscar Hernandez has great speed, and he scores all the way from first. And the Blue Jays are on the board up 1-0. Kevin Gosman had another brilliant outing. Eight shutout innings in his last start in Tampa. And he did not give up anything again today. Six shutout innings, five strikeouts left with a 2-0 lead. But the Jays' bullpen could not hold it. They gave up one in the eighth. And then in the ninth, Jordan Romano with a rare blown save. Luis Arise with the base hit scores the tying run. And it's 2-2. And... We require extra innings. In that 10th, the Jays get the go-ahead run at third with one out. Kevin Biggio will lift a shallow fly ball to left. Whit Merrifield, who they just got in a trade from Kansas City, tags anyway. He's got great speed, but it's a great throw, and he is out at the plate. But the Jays ask for a review. The new blocking the plate rules, catchers have to give the runner a lane to the plate. And upon video review... The call is reversed. He's safe for a violation by the catcher. The Jays love it. The Twins manager, Rocco Baldelli, not as much. Controversial call for sure. Jays win it 3-2. PGA Tour in the final regular season tournament before the FedEx Cup playoffs. The Wyndham Championship from North Carolina. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor made the cut this weekend, and that pretty much guaranteed him a spot in the playoffs. Nice tee shot here on the par three, although Nick finished tied 81st, third last in the field of 84. He finished at number 122. Two, so he will play in the first playoff tourney next week along with Adam Hadwin. Adam Spenson will also be there. Roger Sloan did not make it. Meanwhile, that is Ju Young Kim, better known as Tom Kim. He's a big Thomas the Train fan, so he calls himself Tom, and he can also putt. He had a quadruple bogey his first hole of the tournament, but man, did he ever come back. Had a birdie on the fourth of his final round a day, and then on the par 5 fifth, that's for Eagle. Shot an 8-under 27 on the front side. He had a big lead at, uh, big lead at 19-under. The 59 watch was on at 16. How about this tee shot? Flies it past the hole, and then lets gravity take over. Settles it to 2.5 feet. He would make that for birdie. He did not get the 59, but he shot a 9-under par 61 Finishing it off with a long par save on 18. So Tom Kim wins his first PGA tournament in just his 15th start. Gets full status on the PGA Tour as well. FedEx Cup playoffs begin next week at the FedEx St. Jude in Memphis. Six Canadians will be in the field. Final round of the Women's British Open from Muirfield in Scotland. Canada's Brooke Henderson didn't really contend this week, but she was good enough to get another top 10 in a major birdie at the 17th. She finishes at 5-under and a tie for 7th. South Africa's Ashley Buhai had a 5-shot lead entering the day and was up 3 playing the 15th, but it all came apart thanks to those diabolical bunkers. Buhai made a triple bogey. All of a sudden, she's in a tie for the lead with Inji Chun of South Korea. It went to a playoff, and on the 4th playoff hole, Buhai with a tough bunker shot as a long carry, but... That's really good. Just a couple of feet from the hole. Her husband, uh, David, loves that. He's actually a caddy on the LPGA Tour for another player. Inji Chun made bogey, so Buhai for the win. Taps it in. Perseverance pays off. Ashley Buhai wins her first ever major. The Women's Open Championship in a playoff. Here's your champion, Cameron Rogers. 
second at the World Championships recently in Oregon. And at the Commonwealth Games in England, Cameron Rogers of Richmond, B.C. in the hammer throw will win the gold medal after winning the silver at the uh, World Track and Field Championships in Oregon just a couple weeks ago. 74.08 meters for the gold. Canadian Jillian Weir won bronze. Roger is showing us the form, which has made her one of the best in the world, and she's just 23. Her best years still ahead. But Evan Dunphy of Canada, well, this is supreme walking from him. Deep in concentration, maintaining that lovely rhythmic technique. The legs rolling through and a superb tempo. And also from Richmond, Evan Dunphy racing his way to a gold in race walking. Olympic bronze medalist really did blow away the competition, shattering his personal best in the 10,000 meters by three seconds. He posts the third fastest time in the world this year, 38 minutes, 36 seconds. Loves racing in the stadium. Right in front of the fans, it's a new Canadian and Commonwealth Games record for Evan Dunphy as he wins gold. All right, English Premiership defending champion Man City opening on the road at West Ham. Erling Holland making his Man City EPL debut on the attack brought down by West Ham keeper Alphonse Areola. So a penalty given and the 22-year-old star will... Hammer it home for his first Man City goal. They're up 1-0 at the half. And then in the second half, the 6'4 Norwegian Holland shows his incredible speed racing on through the ball, on the through ball, and then finishing with his left foot. 62 goals in 67 games with Borussia Dortmund of the Bundesliga. Well worth the 80 million U.S. dollar transfer fee. Two goals in his Man City debut as they win it 2-0. Also, Christian Eriksen making his Manchester United debut at Old Trafford. United taking on Brighton, but it was Brighton who darkened the home side spirits in this one. Pascal Gross with the easy tap in, much to the chagrin of Cristiano Ronaldo. Nine minutes later, Gross takes advantage of the David De Gea spillage. Rough start for Man United as they fall at home 2-1 to Brighton. And that is it for sports. Great pun there. I appreciate that. Brighten the darkness. Brighten the darkness. I was on the fly. That was not written down. That's called ad living. I laugh. Okay, coming up, we've got some major cuteness. Okay. Stay with us. You don't want to More major. More cuteness. <laughs> Our four-legged friends have been up to this weekend. A mother black bear and her two newborn cubs enjoyed the sunshine with a leisurely hike up the Coquitlam Crunch this morning. And in Lynn Valley, it was playtime for these two bears who spent the morning wrestling in Graham and Sheila Brown's backyard for a full 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, so cute. And actually, those viewers, the Browns, tell us they have never seen those bears before, but they see bears all the time. So it's a pretty cool sighting. Give them credit for being brave and standing in and being photographers. No yeah. kidding. Speaking they of weather. step back a little bit. Yes. <laughs> They're cute from afar. From afar, from a distance. And, Yvonne, that hot weather is going to continue for the next few days. Yes. Be prepared. The heat is on. Uh, we'll be especially hot along the south coast for Monday, Tuesday. Okay, that's all for us tonight. Thanks for being with us. Krista Dow is here at 11. Have a great week. We'll see you next weekend.